Hello, fellow bow hunters. This is Kyle Klammer here. And this is Zach Welch. And this is the Good Life Bow Hunter, the official podcast of the Nebraska Bow Hunters Association. Well said. Well, here we are. We uh, haven't uh, done one of these in a little while. We've both kind of been pretty busy, so it's been a little uh, little hectic the past few weeks. Oh, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, not only with PT school, and I started my new job, but we managed to make it out for a couple hunts and stuff, so. Oh, yeah, seems like six weeks flown by. See, we did the last one about six weeks ago, and it seems like we blinked and I know it. haven't got one recorded since, but... Crazy. So, we apologize for that. We'll try to do better here in the coming weeks of, of getting some uh, getting some podcasts out. We've got a couple that we'll kind of discuss towards the end here about uh, things to look forward to with, with future ones. So, um, I guess first uh, kind of item or in our order of business here is um so obviously this is uh, anybody new listening to this this is the podcast for the nebraska bow hunters association so we um, try to talk about any nba news or announcements that are upcoming so zach you just want to touch on a few of those things that we had written down here yeah so the biggest thing that we have written down here is if if you've heard lb126 was introduced in the spring which was Basically, in summary, an opportunity for landowners across the state to have a chance to shoot a buck with a rifle the week prior to season opening. And it got shot down, and now they're kind of reintroducing it. And so LB-126 and LR-142 are two things that are getting introduced that, like I said, are going to give a landowner an opportunity to shoot a buck with a rifle, which is not what we need at no all. i don't i think from a from our organization standpoint and just from kind of a um you know just a general sportsman in nebraska um i think it's um you know it's not a good deal for for just the sport of hunting in general um so i think definitely something that we need to keep an eye on i know the nba is very trying to be active um with uh um, getting that um, you know, getting our voice heard in that aspect and everything. So, hey, we're back here. Sorry, I had a, just a slight interruption there. Um, anyways, we we're just talking about LB one twenty six, LR one forty two. Do we have anything else really to add to that, Zach? No, I guess just in general, if you don't know what it is, kind of a summary. Um, originally, it was introduced to you know help with depredation, some crop damage. Mm-hmm. It was supposedly what it was supposed to you know, help with. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's kind of turned into an early buck season for landowners, which wouldn't help us out at all. We already have a pretty generous rifle season here in Nebraska. So, so yeah, I think it's definitely important that we, you know, get it, you know, get it shut down. Yeah. sounds like, I mean, not to, it sounds like it's, it was sort of brought up as, um, not being for the majority, I guess would be a, proper way to put it yeah if that makes sense, yeah but. that's a good way to put it but <laughs> so but yeah if you have any questions about it uh the nebraska sportsman foundation facebook page has a lot of information and uh we'll talk a little bit about later we'll go more into depth hopefully sometime in the next few weeks with those guys and get them on here yeah. and talk a little more about it so if you want any, any information there's plenty of it out there on their facebook page if you have any questions contact an area rep or something but definitely yeah, and and uh, definitely uh, if you're not, you know, if you don't follow their Facebook page or um, 
you know, they do a lot of good work um, just helping us as Nebraska outdoorsmen out. So give them a like and pay attention to some of their stuff that they've got on there. So absolutely. Excellent. Um, all right. Next thing we have is uh, listener emails and questions. Zach? Um, well, we still don't have any. Yeah, We've, so, uh, which is we, fine. But. Yeah. We we really, though, if, if you have any suggestions or anything or any comments, anything we can change, you know, just let us know. We're, we want to know how we can make this the best that we can for you guys. Definitely. So, very well said, Zach. Well said. Um, perfect. Well, I guess that's pretty much it for there. So we'll uh, run right into our next segment here. We've got our trivia slash interesting facts of the podcast. So a um, couple, well, it's been a couple months ago now. We did an, an yeah. episode on antelope, but obviously we've all been out uh, hunting antelope. And so I thought it would be kind of fun to throw in a few interesting antelope facts, stuff that maybe I... Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. Um, just kind of interesting stuff, but just stuff that I pulled off the internet here. So um, we'll I'll get going. Antelope facts. So the they are the only surviving member of the Antelocopridae family, and I probably didn't pronounce that right, but that's fine. Uh, their body temperature runs at approximately 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is a little little more than us. They are the fastest land animal in North America. They can average... Um, 40 miles per hour, but they can run up to 60 miles per hour for fairly long distances. This one was really interesting to me that I did not know anything about. They have 13 distinct gates, um, one of which reaches up to 20 feet per stride, which is pretty impressive. That is impressive. (laughs) Uh, To protect themselves when running over uneven or firm ground, they have pointed and padded double hooves, and also... Um, their horns usually fall off annually shortly after breeding, so similar to deer in that regard. But a um, couple more facts: um, they have hollow hair, which helps them regulate their body temperatures more in extreme heat or cold, which kind of leads into the next fact, where they can survive in ranges from negative 50 Fahrenheit to 130 Fahrenheit. Um, their lifespan is about 10 years. And fawns can run at less than two days after birth. They have 300 degrees of vision. We talked it a little bit in the last podcast, yeah. how their eyes sit on the side of their head. which Yeah, it's which pretty incredible. Allow, which allows them to <laughs> see not only a you know, large field of view, but so they can catch movement up to four miles away is another fact. Mm-hmm. Um, the population is once thought to be 35 million in North America and went down to 13,000 in 1915. Today, there are roughly 800,000, and over half of those live in the state of Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I remember I was listening to a different podcast a while back, and they were talking about that. You know, I mean, we like, I mean, not almost wiped them out, but pretty it close. Got close to, yeah. yeah, I mean, which is yep. pretty crazy to think about that. You know, we could have that much of an impact, and but uh, good success story though, because yeah. numbers are obviously much improved from what Shows they once what were. Shows what conservation can do. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, excellent. Well, all right. So for for this episode's trophy wall segment, we've got John Hand on here. John, you want to say hi for us, quick? Hello there. Uh, and John, just give us a quick uh, one-liner intro about your about yourself here. About myself? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm a 
small town boy, born yeah. and raised, I guess, in Pleasanton, Nebraska. Um, caught the bull hunting bug when I was a young lad from from my uncle. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> um, I've just I've spent my entire life uh, wanting to be in the outdoors. Awesome. Pretty much every day. Excellent. As much as, as much as possible. And it hasn't changed much. Yeah. Well, one of those days, was it last November, was pretty special. Do you want to tell us about that, or was it October? I forget. November, no, right? it was just in the first part of November. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly what day, like third, fourth, or in that area. But, uh, yeah, I was um, typical hurry up and try and get out of work. So I could get an evening hunt in, you know, during sure. uh, my favorite time of the year, which is the rut, pre-rut. Yeah. And um, uh, so check the weather, check the wind, um, decide where I'm going to go. And uh, was going to go on some of our uh, family river bottom ground, which is basically just not very far from where I live. Mm-hmm. And um, I went home, changed some clothes, and and uh, was taking a shower and hustled out and was walking into the, where I was going to hunt, and uh, the wind's in the completely opposite direction that, uh, you know, was yeah. forecasted for. Of course. <laughs> of course. You know, the weatherman's never wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I stood out there for a while trying to figure out what the wind was going to do and it it, uh, consistently was coming out of the east which is not what what I was looking for so um, I scrapped that uh, first first stand placement and I didn't Mm -hmm. have a lot of time and so I drove uh, I live not too far out of uh, Pleasanton here uh, along the river so i drove back home and and uh, for an evening stand um there's a stand not too far from my house that i can hunt so mm-hmm. so when i got home um the wind's now out of the west <laughs> of course <laughs> so yeah so it was one of the you know it was one of those nice fall afternoons it's yeah. probably 60 degrees or 65 degrees and in variable winds, which is a boat hunter's nightmare. You don't yeah, really know yeah. what's going to happen, you know, spreads their sound all over. So I was just kind of hanging out here <coughs> at the house waiting for something to change. And, uh, and I start to see some deer movement just from my yard, you know, like I need, really need to get down and get into the stand. So, yeah. I finally made the call that, uh, you know, it was coming enough out of the east, so it probably uh, was going to work for me. So um, I hustled down, got in the tree, got in my tree stand, and um, immediately could see deer moving um, not too far from my position. But um, most of uh, the deer that, that I hunt uh, in this area have to cross the river. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, I was waiting to see what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and the wind was good. Finally, it settled in, and, and um, so that went on. Started, and it wasn't too long. I uh, uh, I saw a pretty nice buck mm-hmm. uh, going through the cedars, and he was like he was chasing does around, and and he moved out of sight. And I sat there for a while, and um, a different buck showed up, mm-hmm. came out of the direction that the first buck went, and uh, looked like a pretty nice buck. And he definitely was rutting, and um, he was moving some deer around, and, and in my mind, some does, you know, he was chasing some does around. Yeah. And uh, in my mind, I thought, man, that's... That's, that's really a nice buck. I'll have to, I'm going to have to see if I can get in on him sometime, you know. You know, kind of, I felt like I was just an observation from where I was. Yeah. And then it kind of, kind of dawned on me. It was like, well, maybe I had a call to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Sure. See, see what uh, his reaction was. So, um, I give him a few grunts. And he reacted. He saw, he heard it, so I knew he could hear me. He stopped and looked in my direction, and he continued on doing what they normally do. Is you know he had a lot of other things on his mind, so he went up and down that river, across the river from me, several different times, and and then um, disappeared several times, and showed back up several times, and mm-hmm. and when he kind of came back, one of those times I hit him with a snort wheeze. And uh, that guy's attention, and he kind of wanted to come across the river, and he tried a couple different times, and I don't know, something just kept him from doing it, and probably the does on the other side. <clears throat> Anyways, he eventually worked his way down the river to where they normally would cross, and uh, he took his time, and he he eventually crossed the river and came to my side. And he came to within about 50 yards and uh, started doing some scrapes and mm-hmm. rubbing his antlers uh, on the overhead branches. And, and he was getting getting himself pretty worked up. And I, during that time, it hit him several other times with a snort wheeze. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's looking for that buck. He can't see him, so he's a little nervous. And he keeps waiting and waiting. He's waiting for nightfall. Yeah. And eventually he he decides that he's he's coming. So he starts my direction and so I prepare for the shot. Sure. And um of course he does what most good deer do is he starts to circle downwind. Yep. So he circled around in range, but um I could not I couldn't get a shot for, for the brush. Mm-hmm. And I knew when he came out, when he circled around trying to get downwind of me, when he stepped out, I was going to have to shoot him or he had about 10 yards and he was going to be in my, in my scent cone. So, um, when he came around that bush at, I suppose, 20 yards, I was in full draw and and unfortunately made a, uh, a great shot on him and, um, he bounded out of there and um, back into some thick area, uh, a lot of willows and tall grass. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I heard, I was, of course, listening. I couldn't see him anymore. And 
And uh, so I was just listening, just standing there in the stand listening, and and I heard this this ball like a like a calf, like a like a young calf would do. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd never heard a deer do that before. I knew it was him, and I figured it was probably a death, like a death moan or a yeah, death ball. Yeah, interesting. Huh. And um, I had actually never heard that, but. Anyways, I thought that was probably a good sign. Yeah. So, of course, I backed out and, and left the area uh, once it got dark. And I never did hear him cross the river. And uh, so I knew that probably he was down on my side just from uh, from where I had hit him. Mm-hmm. But I circled out of there and walked um, a good mile around to get so I wouldn't spook him. And then, uh, you know, I called my... A good friend Rick and Peyton, mm-hmm. and he yep. came out, and, and I wanted him to be involved in the in the track. Yeah, which is always fun for us. You oh know? yeah, no, um, that's always. I love the track, uh, deer or whatever that we're we're hunting. Yeah. So um, we give him plenty of time, and and then we went down and just. The, the direction that I had to walk in there, we kind of had to walk to where I had last heard him before we picked up the track. Unless I wanted to walk way back around the way we came. But I had a good feeling that, and I had told Rick, I said, well, we may see him before we even pick up blood, you know? Yeah. And uh, sure enough, and, you know, our uh, flashlight or headlamps, we, I, I spotted something kind of bright and um, um, I looked and it was my arrow and of course he was attached to it so he was laying there (laughs) and uh, was dead yeah but uh, it was it was a nice deer for me and uh, uh, that was a a great buck don't don't try to put any qualifiers on that John that was a really nice deer yeah I mean he was he was very (laughs) unique and uh, I'm very blessed uh, to have been able to shoot a deer like that and uh, anytime most of course we all know that you know nine out of ten times that scenario he wins me before he yep you know before i can get that shot off and uh, nine out of ten times that's what happens but uh um that time it didn't yeah but but one out of ten it doesn't Yeah, no, that's what what keeps us going back, right? And everything else that we see and enjoy while we're there, but for sure. And uh, so, yeah. Awesome. In a nutshell, I guess that's, uh, that was the hunt and, and, um, yeah, no, that's, no, that's awesome. Add much to that other than, you know, I do do that. Uh, I don't like to understand that that the wind isn't right and, yeah. and for me um if i would have been in a stand and the wind would have changed like that i would have i would have got down and either changed locations or just called it a day yep that's and, smart uh, so. yeah no i think that uh that's definitely a, an excellent point john i think we talk about that frequently is just you know not not boogering up stands that you know, if it's not right, don't go in there. Or, you know, if it's, right. if stuff changes, get out of there. You know, I mean, I, right. 
Right. I, it, you know, the temptation is always, well, it's not too bad, you know, but that's right. when you get busted. And it just, I, you know, I've done it before and, and I'm sure you have. And it just is like, it just never, it just never ends up good. It just, just doesn't. But yeah. So. And I don't, you know, I will say I, 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 I still, I'm, I'm old school. I don't believe in, and, uh, you know, I, I, I do send control as, as much as I can. You know, I try and be as clean as I can, and sure. my clothes and my gear, and I try and do all that. Yep. And um, but I I don't believe that I can wear a suit or or spray myself with stuff and and totally eliminate the pre- uh, my presence. Yeah. Now even at that, you know, weather and and thermals and everything um, can predict how your scent lays if it goes up if it rises up falls mm-hmm. so sometimes a deer can go down straight down when you and not wind you at all but they're not getting your scent yeah you know it's yep. still there believe me yep and uh so i've i've learned a lot of a lot of lessons over a lot of years you know yeah. that way but sure. that's just that's just the way i do it yep you know no, that makes but, makes sense. I think there's a lot to a lot to glean from that information, and just yeah, I think that's that's very yeah. very wise. So, and another, you know, you mentioned not not booger up a scent or a, a stand. Um, a lot a lot of times, I try not to overhunt a, a good area, mm-hmm. and if that area is good during the rut, then that's when I hunt. Yep. I don't hunt in September, and I don't hunt in October. You that's, know, I wait till also that, that last point. week, October, yep. and, and then I hunt it for a couple of weeks, you know, as much as I can, and, sure. and I try not to do it every day, but, you know, and only with the right wind. And yep. It, it works, you know. No, it, I, it does. It does. Yeah, no, that's, that's another excellent point is just, uh, yeah, like you said, just, you know, if you have a stand that you know is good and it's a good area and you know you've hunted it in the rut before and it's and it's excellent that time of year, then yeah, just just let it be. You know, mm-hmm. just take your time yep. with it. No sense in rushing right. in there and getting your scent all over it. And anyhow, right? But yeah. So. Yeah, have everything ready to go. Be prepared. You know, have you know, make sure I I go in every year and make sure that those areas are. You know, I have to trim them out or whatever I need to do, but sure. it needs to be ready to go. You know, when when the time's here, it's you know, and I, I'm not saying you know, and even even like during the rut, you can get away with a lot of things just because they're so in tune to doing what they you know what they waited all year to do. Yep. But um, if you need to move and move, it's time to be aggressive. Yeah. You know. The rut is a time to be aggressive if you're ever going to be aggressive. So, I do believe I do believe in that. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well. But, um, yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, John, for for uh, the the excellent story, and just uh, we appreciate you being on to the the trophy wall segment. So. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm not I'm not much of a storyteller, but. No, that was great. But, That's uh, perfect. So it's, it's always good to. You know, talk about hunting for sure. Excellent. So thanks again, John. You're welcome. Next thing um, is the recipe of the podcast. So I was just going to touch on a couple things here. Um, and Zach, just feel the, free to chime in any at any point. So um, I had, uh, down at the Jamboree, I had made some uh, 
um, deer backstrap from my mule deer and just kind of cut them up into about inch and a half to two inch chunks and basically marinate them in this what's called steak and chop seasoning. I think Lowry's makes one and, and Weber makes one as yep. well. Um, just an excellent seasoning t- to put on venison if you if anybody has never tried it. Um, it I think I got it from Eric Albright and um, works really well. And just, yeah, cut them up into those little chunks and throw them on a hot grill. You know, don't overcook them, obviously, but just kind of, you know, a couple, a minute or two on each side just to kind of get them, get a little crisp on them and then take them off and eat them. Um, excellent, excellent stuff. That's uh, some of my favorite. So have you tried that at all, Zach? I was disappointed I didn't get to try any of that at Halls. Oh, yeah, that's, sorry. <laughs> well, that's all everyone could talk about after Friday night was Kyle's deer. Oh, yeah. I think somebody posted on Facebook. I think it was Troy. It was Troy, yeah. yeah. I was like, that was the best day I ever had. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really... I heard a lot of people say some good stuff it's, about it. it was... Yeah, so steak and chop seasoning. Yeah, I've, good seen, stuff. I've seen it before. It's, yeah. I mean, it's just regular stuff. Yeah, Yeah. nothing too crazy for sure. So, um, And then uh, the other thing I was going to talk about, just touch on, um, Zach and I were discussing it earlier, was... Um, I've seen a lot of stuff, and you hear a lot of stuff recently about deer tongue, or any tongue for that matter. And um, Zach, do you have any experience with any of that, or not? Yeah, not a good one. Yeah, not a good uh, one. <laughs> yeah, we actually kept the tongue off my elk last year, and my oh, really? dad tried smoking it on the Traeger. Okay. And if if I could compare it to anything, it was probably like eating boot leather oh, yeah. it was tough but but no eric yeah. eric actually told me he has a special way of doing it he boils them yeah that's what i've and heard then, simmer them for like yeah you know, three to five hours for a deer tongue and yep. maybe longer for exactly a so i i'm hoping to try that and not smoke one on the traeger again yeah. but uh no I've, I've heard that boiling it and then you peel that outer layer off you mm-hmm. know and on the inside and, you know, people talk about tongue being tough. I've heard it's really, really tender. Yeah, so I've heard I'd, the same thing. I'd, I'd be interested to see and more than willing to try it on hopefully some deer tongue this year. Yeah, no, that's it. I'm, next year I shoot, I'm saving the tongue, I guess. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Worth a try. Anyways. Definitely, definitely. Um, and then uh, the other thing I just, you know... I. I'm sure have you had deer heart before Zach I mean, oh I love we yeah. keep all of them oh man yep. it's so I had never really you know tried it too much and last year I kept uh kept the deer heart yep. and man it's good stuff oh I I love heart yeah I, just a we, whole different flavor and just yep, experience exactly. almost it's yeah I I love eating heart we keep them all now yep. and I I'll never throw another one away yep. definitely do you how do you usually cook that do you Pan Usually I just yeah I just get a pan really hot and I cook it about medium rare. I mean yeah. I don't do it just all the slice way it done. Thin yeah, slice it real thin it and there. then you can even take like onions and stuff and throw in nice. with it. Which yeah, it's it's very good though. Yep. Definitely, definitely. So don't be throwing those hearts and tongues away, kids. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyhow, so um, very good. Well, um, we've reached the. I guess kind of the main event, as I like to refer to it. But um, so this episode, we're just going to kind of do a early, early season sort of recap. Um, it's been a lot of uh, a lot of animals um, that have been harvested so far, um, 
and we just wanted to kind of chat a little bit about our experiences and then sort of tip our cap to, to some other guys that have been out there and um, that have been doing well. Um, so first thing, I guess, um, Zach, you went out to Wyoming um, and went antelope hunting into August. Uh, why don't you just yeah give us a little rundown of what happened there and, and uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so earlier this summer, we when we did the earlier antelope episode, we kind of talked, I'd drawn a Wyoming antelope tag, and originally it was kind of just a plan to get away for a few days before school started, between you know, summer jobs and classes starting. And so actually, it, I ended up going through orientation week through school and had to be at a white coat ceremony in Omaha on that Friday, which would have been August 17th or it was a Friday before school started and the way it ended up working we didn't get to go until a week later than we had originally planned so mm-hmm. I was only going to get a hunt Saturday and part of Sunday before I had to come back for classes and not only that I had to like I said I had a white coat ceremony I had to be at for physical therapy school and so me and my dad loaded up after that it ended at 5 p.m. and we drove nine hours out to antelope camp Jeez. And it was a long drive. Dedication. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, listen, we actually listened to a lot of podcasts during yeah. that. And it, it 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 wasn't terrible, you know, but not ideal and you pulling no. But no, it it added to the experience though. It was it was a fun time. So anyways, we got into Antelope Camp about one thirty AM mountain time and we went with Trent Philbrick. Mm-hmm. Yep, and and his brother-in-law or brother, it was Angela's cousin Brett. Gotcha. And uh, so yeah, they were out there and they were sound asleep when we pulled into camp. And so me and my dad, we were so tired, we didn't even set up the tent. We just slept in the pickup, which I was fine. Mm-hmm. And slept a few hours, woke up, and went to the antelope blind. And uh, it was it was a little slow at first, weren't seeing a lot. And finally, shortly after sunrise, a buck came over the. Now you were sitting, sitting water. Is yeah, that we were sitting. Doing? We were sitting a little bit bigger of a water hole. Gotcha. Where on one side they were coming to, you know, it would have been a twenty-yard shot, but I mean, we could have been shooting as far as forty-five, yeah. fifty yards on it. It was a bigger one. So shortly after sunrise, a buck came over with two does, and you know, like I said, I was only going to be hunting Saturday and Sunday, so I wasn't going to be too picky. But first mature buck that gave me a shot, I was going to take, and he was definitely a buck that I think represented you know what a mature buck is in that area yeah and so i decided i was going to shoot him right away and we watched him for a few hours you know he fed with his does and then another buck came over the horizon which probably score wise was about the same but two Mm -hmm. years younger i'd say two to three years younger he's a younger buck and that buck chased him all over the place so we got to see a little rut action they (laughs) ran all over and then he bedded with his does for a few hours and finally you could it was starting to get hot, and one of the does stood up and started coming our way. My dad's like, all right, he's hopefully going to follow suit. And sure enough, he stood up and started following that doe in. And so the doe came in and watered, and she came into the spot at the water hole, and she was at 43. Mm-hmm. And so I started getting ready. I'm just like, well, he's going to go water where, where she is. You know, it's going to be a little bit further of shot. So I repositioned myself in the blind to get to the back corner where I could shoot to the far side of the water. And 
it always something hectic always has to happen and <laughs> the biggest gust of wind of the day the, <laughs> i mean the the wind was blowing decent but i mean this gust was 30 some mile an hour it picked up the front of the blind and nearly blew it i mean the whole gig was almost up and the buck kind of noticed it and stood there and got all tense i was like oh he's gonna take off now he's yeah. not gonna come in the doe already you know kind of spooked off and finally he committed and came into the water but you could tell he knew something was up he's a little tense and so my dad ranged him and he was 43 essentially went to the same spot and he was quartering two and I, i pulled back and i settled and i was really comfortable with the shot and i took my time and i squeezed it off and i saw it hit and it looked you know a touch high but it sounded really good and he ran off and i saw the opposite side where my arrow was and i mean it was tight behind the shoulder came out perfect and he ran over the hill and we lost sight of him so me and my dad bailed out the back of the blind to get an eye on him and Mm -hmm. just as we come up over the crest of the hill we saw him laying there in the bottom i mean he went 60 yards gotcha nice piled up but yeah gust of wind almost almost (laughs) Almost. got us but no we sat there we went actually we took pictures right there and went up and we had him butchered within two hours of the time he was on the ground and on ice that's and perfect got him cut up and we watched that hole the rest of the day and nothing watered there wow. so it ended up yeah. working out awesome yeah well that's like we talked about previously it's man it's so important to take care of that meat because it makes it oh absolutely especially makes a huge difference especially out there you know when it's getting up to 90 degrees it yeah. does not take it long to spoil no. you know no that takes it's top. always surprising to me how fast you or how how long meat will stay okay but then at the same time how fast when it decides to go bad exactly right bad. yep, <laughs> yep. So. when it goes downhill it goes downhill quick exactly. and heat definitely yeah does that but um yeah no man that was that was an awesome awesome hunt it was a fun trip like i I said we we went out there with trent and and brett and that was it was a fun time hanging out with them we ate some good food we ate some mountain lion that trent had and we ate some elk steaks for supper and you know it was a quick trip but it was a nice little getaway before classes started yeah so did uh how'd you think i mean did you feel like the numbers were about what they normally are or down or up or you know it's tough to say because that was that's the first time i've hunted wyoming since i was a freshman in high school but that was the first time i've been to that unit or that area i guess Mm -hmm. and when i was out there in july setting up blinds there were definitely more on the property Mm -hmm. but um you know it, it was just tough conditions you know we, we ran into a few different things yeah um and you know we talked a little bit about them earlier sure, you know yeah, when i was yeah, on the phone and those. you know but i would say numbers out there there were a lot of antelope i yeah. mean i even driving down the road and stuff i didn't expect to see that many out yeah. there um i'd say numbers were about the same as i mean even what i remember them being you know, when I used to go out there when I was eighth grade and freshman, you know, it's just, it's just Wyoming, you know, there's a ton of antelope out there. There's not maybe the over tro- half of them, right? Yeah. There's maybe <laughs> not the trophy, trophy quality that you have here in Nebraska, but I mean, yeah, I'd say as far as numbers go out there, it's, I mean, yeah, there's about as many as there's ever been, I suppose. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, if anybody hears random dog noises in the back, that's yeah. that's just my dogs, so no worries. But <laughs> new puppy doesn't sound too happy. Yeah. No. Well, that's actually Rio. She doesn't appreciate when somebody tries to come take her bone. So, but <laughs> anyhow, but um, but yeah, no. What a yeah. Congrats again, man. That's yeah. Just, what a nice. good trip and um, yeah. And then you uh, <coughs> you got it done here recently. Sorry, another interruption, but um, anyhow, so yeah, then uh, yeah, you got it done in Nebraska too, then pretty yeah. recently. So yep, um, went home last week, two week, but it'll be two weeks ago this weekend. And uh, me and my dad went out in the hills actually, mm-hmm. kind of just to try to find a muley, and it turned into an antelope hunt. Um, you know, just went out to try to find something. My dad was talking about on the way there. He's like, "Man, I hope we find a goat today." And you never expect, you know, it's it's antelope. That's sure. always one tag every year. I tell myself an antelope in Nebraska. You know, it's just a bonus. You never expect to fill the tag. Sometimes not even not even see one. You know, so we went out there and we actually the first set of hills we went into, I spotted a lone buck, and he was in some choppy hills, which. You know, he's about in an ideal spot, and he was yeah. by himself, and I was like, all right, perfect. So we cut the distance quick, you know, got into the little set of choppy hills he was in, and kind of started picking around him, you know, mm-hmm. peeking up each, every little one, looking for him in pockets and stuff. And we were, our minds were blown. I bet we spent over an hour just in this one little tiny set of choppy hills and never laid eyes on him. Hmm. We could see all the way to the west. It was a you know, a flat valley that went into the next set of hills. And then, of course, he didn't go behind us. We would have saw him. And sure. to the north and south, I mean, there was no, I mean, significant <laughs> hills or anything that he could have hidden or anything. And my dad's like, he must have just bedded in a pocket and we walked right by him or something. Because yeah. we, we picked out every little blowout. I mean, looked every hill. And, I, I mean, my dad's just like, I cannot believe that we did not see that antelope slip out of here. So we said we searched that little set of hills for over an hour, like I said, and my dad's like, "All right, let's just go further west, the next set of hills," because uh, I guess in short, I found a big muley there the week before. I had a close call with, so we we're gonna go try to find him or the one he was with. And we get in the next set of hills, and there's the buck. Mm-hmm. And somehow, I guess he slipped across that valley when we were going Jeez. in there. It's without, I don't know how he got out of there without us seeing him. But anyways, we found him, so he's back to the south, so we waited for him to kind of go behind a set of hills, and we cut down the fence line, and he was probably a little over a mile away at that point, and we kind of, I mean, we made quick work of it. We mm-hmm. jogged up the fence line, you know, and cut through a pasture, and kind of got, you know, a general idea where he was, and so we started creeping around, you know, came around the backside of a hill and saw where he was feeding into a little pocket mm-hmm. and so we went back around the other way and you know got ready because we knew he was going to be right there somewhere in that pocket below us when we came up over the hill and so so i start creeping up beside my dad and i had the decoy hat on of course you know always gotta yeah. have it on yeah. <laughs> but uh so i had the decoy hat on and my dad was beside me and i come up over the top of the hill and i can see the top of his back and i mean he's close super close and my dad ranges him for me and he was 40 hmm. and i pot so i draw back and i pop up and i i was so shocked that he didn't even look he had his head down and was feeding and was alone Jeez. i mean you can't 
ever <laughs> even dream of that happening. Doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> exactly. I feel like it's one extreme or the other. You know, they yeah. they have no idea or they're on high alert. Yep. Yep. And anyway, so he had his head down, feeding at forty, and I shot, hit him through the back of the lungs, and I mean, he went hundred and thirty yards and yeah. piled up, and that was it. I mean, it was a it was a quick hunt. I mean, from the time, the second time, from the time we spotted him to the time we killed him, I bet was 20 minutes, maybe, Jeez. if that, so. That's crazy. Yeah, it was a, it was a good hunt, though. By far, I mean, as far as spot and stock antelope goes, that was probably my favorite yeah. hunt. Yeah. So. No, that's a great story. I mean, just, it goes to show you, you know, those antelope, they can, I mean, you just would never guess that they could hide in places that they do, and then all of a sudden, exactly, like, they're right there. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. wait, how did that? How did I miss them? Or how exactly did they sneak right. out of well, there? Or what? Well, it's just like crazy. I said, we had a whole view of every direction, yeah. and I don't know how he slipped out of yeah. there without us seeing him. But well, and you always think you have, you know what I mean? But you always, there's always like that one little fold that maybe you don't see. Yeah, a little you draw know, or, they cut up through and yeah. get into the next set of beyond one but, vantage point, and you're looking, and you see a hole, and you're like, ah, oh, there's nothing there, and then you move to a different bench, but it's like, well, geez there's like exactly. you know five six antelope right there that's but. antelope for they move they'll move a long ways especially yeah. when they're by themselves you know they'll cover a lot of ground in a hurry yeah but. definitely um yeah no that's uh yeah congrats again man yeah Just the, thanks the antelope slayer so i'm glad well, somebody I'm, can because evidently i can't so I don't know about that <laughs> but it, yeah it uh like i said definitely wasn't a you never expect to fill a Nebraska antelope tag. And I mean, especially like a situation like that. I mean, my dad said, man, I hope we find an antelope today when we're going out there. And I'm yeah. just like, it, you never count on it, you know, but yeah, no, it was, it ate a little bit of them already and excellent eating. Nice. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, that's good, man. Very good. But, um, yeah, I guess, you know, I made it out antelope hunting this, um, well, I guess right when you were out yeah, in Wyoming. When I, yeah, when I was out there. I was I out, uh, out by Harrison. Didn't come home with any, but, uh, you know, you always learn stuff. Um, I was trying to think before, uh, you know, before we started, a couple things that I, just observations and things that I learned. Um, you know, I had four pretty good stocks, um, you know, was within 50 yards of four different bucks. And, you know, what you can't really, pretty much one a day. Like, you can't yeah. really, that, that's that's pretty good um oh absolutely um uh just didn't you know just one thing it just something always happens you know i always feel like i've had every bad luck experience with antelope i mean for instance like one i mean i had one bedded at 40 yards i was just sitting on the ground waiting for him to stand up i had my bow everything was ready i think i told you this already but and then like i catch some movement to the you know in my peripheral vision and i look back and there's there's these cows walking towards me and they're sitting there looking at me, you know, and I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me, you know? And so I'm, then I'm thinking, shoot, you know, is he going to see them or whatever? Sure enough, he goes from, he did the classic antelope laying down to a sprint and, and sprinted out. And eye. Yeah. yeah. And sprinted out to about it. But I mean, he had zero clue that I was there. Yeah. Absolutely no clue. Um, he would have stood up, could have drawn, boom, right there. Right but, there. But, uh, I guess one, a couple, sorry, I was just getting to a couple observations, things that, um, so, you know, I keep talking every year, um, you know, and, and I think this probably applies maybe a little bit more to Nebraska just because, um, 
the season starts pretty early and and i feel like most of the time our antelope rut is kind of you know early or like maybe mid-september-ish yep. somewhere around there about right now I yeah mean, exactly last week or so yep exactly and so um what i'm getting at is i guess uh so when i was out there i mean i saw one group of nine bucks one oh. group of five bucks and these two groups and then a single buck and these was that 15 bucks were literally within like one square mile of each other really? so you know so it's like you know i you know i always think about well if you're spotting stock in you know you need you need to create opportunities and to have opportunities you got to have the antelope to be in the right places and exactly and you can't have nine bucks together laying on a flat open field you know there's just there's you're just it's just impossible you're never gonna you're never gonna make that happen and so um i guess like i said what i'm getting at is i think uh ultimately the best thing to do would be to um wait you know i always say i'm gonna wait and go later because I think if you went later, like, you know, right around now right or now, even yeah. even maybe a week sooner-ish, all those bucks are going to be dispersed across the landscape. And yep, each one of them is going to be a different opportunity exactly. to stock, you know, and not only yep. that, but decoying is going to be easier. Exactly. You know, it just creates a whole new window of opportunity when you get bucks broke up like that. Yep. And, you know, you get them fired up with the rut and everything and makes it a little easier. Yep. And, you know, I'm pretty fortunate that I have a, you know, place to go out there that's private land and stuff. Oh, but, yeah. but I even think about, you know, I mean, I, I hunted the grasslands, I mean, a ton in college and, um, and there's a lot of antelope up there. And I think that, you know, the same thing would apply to there, you know, I mean, I remember seeing groups of bucks and I think, yeah, definitely if you, if you would wait till it's, you know, the rut's a little more hot and, um, you're going to have just all of those antelope are just going to be more dispersed across the landscape. And so you're just going to create more opportunities for yourself. Yep, exactly. So I guess what I'm getting at is, um, the, you know, I think, especially if you're, if you've never been and you're thinking about going, you may think about going a little later just to maybe have that, those couple extra bucks that are alone that are by themselves and in potentially in good spots. Um, yeah, that was just something that I was, um, thinking about, I guess, before we, before we started, but no, it was a good trip. Um, always maybe my favorite trip of the year. I just always really yeah, enjoy, absolutely. enjoy antelope hunting and putting it's on some miles and a good way to start the season, you know, definitely kind of sharpens definitely. up your skills before things yeah. really get rolling. Yeah. I'm hoping I don't have to wait nine years again to shoot another one, but <laughs> I, I don't think <laughs> but, that'll be the case, but I hope not. But, um, but anyhow, no, it, uh, like I said, I had my opportunities. I just, I just didn't, didn't capitalize on them. So that's, well, that's the way it goes. Fun sometimes. to get out. I mean, you, like you said, you learn something every, every time you go out. You learn something new with antelope, and you yep. know, yep. not just that. I feel like spot and stock. If you want to test your skills as a hunter, yeah, that's you know, find out really, yeah, you know how, how good I guess good you are when you, especially after antelope. You know, you're They're going difficult. about probably going after the toughest thing you can find you know in this at least in this area you know yep especially spot and stock but i would say i mean uh, you know not to sound uh, like i'm full of 
myself or whatever, but I think it, if you can get within 50 yards of an antelope, like, oh, yeah. that's pretty good. Like yep. That's a good... You've, you've done something. You can pat yourself on the back a little exactly. bit. Exactly. It's not easy. Not easy at all, but... No, but... Definitely. It's so. always fun. It's never not fun chasing antelope. You might think it's not fun when getting your butt kicked out there, but you look back on it at the end of a hunt every day, and the yep. antelope, it's, you always learn something. Yep. You know? For sure. For sure. Um, so, anyhow, I think that's basically it for antelope. I know your your dad shot an antelope, too. You he said, did. Uh, out west, so congrats yep. to him. But yeah. uh, did he tell he you the story him. on that at all? Or maybe we can save that for another we'll time. Let, I don't know. We'll let him tell it on the trophy wall story yeah. sometime because he's better at telling stories than I am. But no, he shot a he shot a really good goat. Him and Matt went yeah. out, made their annual trip out west, and you know it's one of those trips, like you said, it's probably one of their favorite every yeah. year. They always make it a point to go out there for four or five days and. My dad ended up getting an antelope, and they had some stalks on some others, but yep. it sounded like an awesome trip. So, Yeah, no, that's, you're exactly right. It's just, you know, enjoying the time out there and exactly the people you're right. with and yep. all that stuff. So sometimes you don't come home with one. Yeah. It is It is what it is. So Exactly but, right. Um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, I guess we touching on nebraska stuff um you had quite the quite the weekend the other weekend so yeah yeah why don't so, you talk a little bit more about that we sort of talked about one part of that but <laughs> so i was it the same weekend or no it was the same yeah, weekend yeah. yeah so i got the antelope and or, so my sister was gonna set in the tree stand that night and so the plan was to make it back in time to you know get you know wash up and get ready to go to the tree stand so we got the antelope got him loaded up and we hauled back to town and so i threw my clothes in the wash and hopped in the shower and it was already time to go out back to the tree stand you know mm-hmm. just had enough time to we actually butchered the antelope before and you know got washed up and went to the tree stand and so going into this stand there were two bucks on camera that I mean, we're potential shooters, and one was a really wide 4x4 four four that I actually passed last year, and he put on a lot of growth this year. And the other was, you know, he's a younger velvet one, and he may need another year. So there were a couple bucks consistently going by the stand, you know, in daylight, so I knew they were in there. So I walked around. I'm going into my stand, and I'm walking around the south side, which is always the way I take in sure. there, you know, especially with a... I had a north wind, so I didn't want to blow my scent going in through there. So I walk around the south side, and there's a little bit, there's a little taller grass there this year. Um, you know, it, it was a wet year, grown up a little more. And so I'm walking through there, and a deer jumps up like five yards from me. Jeez. And so so I, it scared me, and I see it running away, and it was the big four by four. And he was bedded there, I mean, a hundred and some yards from my stand. So I, I ducked down in the grass, you know, and... He's standing there, like, looking around. I can just see the top of his rack over the grass, just looking around. And I'm just like, oh, man. Like, I bumped him out of his bed. And he looks back and just, I mean, he he saw me. And he blew and he took off out of there. And I'm just like, well, I'll never see that deer again. I bumped him out of his bed. Yeah. And, you know, I've to be honest, I don't think I've ever bumped a deer out of his bed before going into my stand. So I've never had that experience. Didn't know what to expect, mm-hmm. you know, if he was going to come back. So anyways, I sat that night, didn't see much. I saw some does, a little spike. And so the next, that was on Saturday, the same day I shot Mm -hmm. the antelope. And then, so Sunday, 
I was gonna. I was debating on whether or not to stick around and hunt. I didn't have class till one the next day, mm-hmm. and I woke up and it was fifty some degrees and overcast. I'm like, all right, I definitely gotta sit today. You yeah. know, it's the first real fall feeling day that we've had yet, and so I did a bunch of homework. And my sister was gonna sit again. She's having hip surgery next week, so she's really been you know hitting it hard. Sure. And I'm just like, okay, I'll stick around if she's gonna hunt. I might as well go hunt too. I don't have class till one tomorrow. Yeah. So I take care of all my stuff. We go to the tree stand that afternoon. And so this time the wind was out of the east. So I decided to take a trail into my stand instead of walk through the grass again on the tall stuff on the south side. So I'm walking down the trail and I get in there and then I see a deer 40 yards ahead just shredding a cedar tree. <laughs> And it was him, the <laughs> four by four. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So I ducked down again and he kind of looks like in my direction, but I think I got low enough. He didn't see me that time, but he knew something was there. Yeah. The gig was up and he kind of just slowly walked into the trees with his tail in the air. I was like, oh man, if he would have saw me there, that thing would have ran for miles. And mm-hmm. Twice in a row, I bumped him in 24 hours. <laughs> and so I, I hurry up and get in my stand and I'm just like, I'm just like, man, the deer must be moving already. It's cool, you know. I don't think it was above 67, 68 mm-hmm. degrees. And I get in there and I have a couple does come by. And that was it. And it's getting about an hour before dark. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe something else isn't moving. You know, it was halfway chilly. I had to put a jacket on even mm-hmm. over my stuff to stay warm. And so I'm sitting there and it's so wet this year that I can't, you know, there's no leaves to crunch, no you know grass to break to make sound and all of a sudden i look down and i see a rack coming through the cedar tree right in front of me at like five yards it's just white i'm just like okay that looks like you know i couldn't tell exactly what it was i just saw tines and so i kind of get ready and he steps out and it's that wide four by four and he steps out from behind the tree and i start drawing my bow and he kind of gets a little bit hesitant like i don't know if my wind was swirling a little bit around that side of the tree but he kind of got tense a little bit and so i just drew all the way back and the branch was a little bit in the way i leaned clear over in my seat and i i mean i just put the pin right there and squeezed it took my time and i mean it hit right exactly where i wanted and he went he took off and you know i gave him a little bit of time went in there and trailed him and i think he made it 40 50 yards maybe (laughs) i mean so he was laying right there and had a cherry on top i guess we'll have maddie on later but yeah well she'll have already she'll have already given her oh yeah that's right we'd have the trophy wall segment on earlier but uh yeah we'll have her recording on i guess already but yeah she shot a buck that night and that i i've always dreamed of shooting a doubling up on bucks with my sister in the same night and it happened that night that's pretty pretty awesome man oh it was it was one of my favorite deer hunts of all time so it i was so pumped up that night i think i went to bed like at 145 <laughs> and got up and left for class the next oh, morning man. but man no it was a good weekend both was, really nice deer too oh Jeez. yeah yeah maddie's was an old buck that yeah. we had quite a bit of history with and yeah you know kind of just a freaky looking deer yep. short tined and wide and this one was one i passed last year so it was kind of cool to see him put on a lot of inches nah, you know, awesome. in the last year but no it was a really cool hunt and my dad was there with both of us and mm-hmm. you know I, I, I was telling my dad you know it was probably one of the most memorable weekends of hunting i've ever had you know yeah. but yeah it was 
Stacking up the memories. That's awesome. Oh, I man. know. Jeez. Yeah, what a... That was a nice deer. Did you rough him out? I'm just curious. What did he... Did we, he, d- we didn't yet. Yeah, no, he looked I, like probably, what, 135, 140? Yeah, that's so what we thought. Yeah, yep, right, yeah. In that, right in that area. Nice deer, so. man. That's that's a nice 4x4. Four four, yeah, like. he, he was really wide. That's really what, yeah. what, what I guess, made him stand out to me. Yeah. That velvet that's hanging cool off deer. his antlers, too. Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. cool but. Definitely. Yeah, no, I was tickled happy with him, so... For sure. No, well, yeah, congrats again, man. Yeah, well, on thanks. A, on another harvest, so that's fantastic, man. What a what a start to the year, so. Yeah, plenty I'm, of meat. I'm, I'm still bringing up the rear slow, slowly but surely. Hopefully I'll get out here one of these days. Oh, you will. See if I can get a get a, uh, um, a buck shot. Absolutely. But, yeah, one of these days I'll get out and uh, but uh, work and stuff and, like I said, starting a new job and got a little puppy now and so we're uh we're trying to plenty busy plenty busy yeah. that's all right so it's all right though it's still september you know the yeah. best stuff still yet to come oh man yeah, yeah that's that uh early november i've already early november already... october those first cold fronts yep. yep hard to beat yeah gonna get back up home hopefully mid-october do a do a long weekend and then i'm taking about a week off and early november right oh, before yeah. rifle season so hopefully be able to get it done we'll see oh, but you will. Uh, there's a we've got a few a few pretty good ones so oh, pretty yeah. excited to to get that going but absolutely but uh anyhow so um also we just wanted to kind of put a just a quick plug out there for for some of the other nba members i know uh we kind of talked about your dad. He shot a nice antelope, and then um, congrats to to Lance Philbin. Um, he shot that nice white tail yeah, bug. Yeah, That was like was that opening weekend or pretty close? That was the just a few days after opening weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the middle of the week, I think. So very nice buck, and then uh, Trent Philbrick shot a nice mule deer. Yep, he did. Um, and congrats to a couple other members too. Bryce Lamley, we saw he shot an antelope out in Montana. And then Ryan Reynolds shot a really nice white tail and velvet. So congrats to all you guys. Um, now I'm sure we're forgetting people. And oh, there's there's so many yeah. members out there. I've seen shoot stuff that I I mean can't I can think of a few off the top of my head. Uh, Jake Downs, I saw he shot oh, an yeah. elk the other day. Yeah. Um, and an antelope. And right? an antelope, yeah, I believe. His... And a muley, I think. That's right. Yeah, so, you're yeah, right. Yeah, he's he's a. Uh, He's been getting after it pretty hard. I'm trying yeah. to think who else. I, I think I saw it, didn't uh, 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 Garrett Hikes? His Garrett Hikes went out to... Uh, so his friend shot a bit nice mule yep, here? Yep, Brandon yeah. Kelly yeah. shot a nice mule out in Colorado. Yeah. So, yeah, there's very cool. There's a lot of members out there already. Yeah which, uh, yeah, which brings up the... Uh, so now that we've called you out, now you need to write us a trophy wall segment. Yeah, so. expect a story from all of you. <laughs> yeah, the, so... Better, uh, better start writing those in. So. No, or, or if you have trophy photos that you want to email to us, send them in, yeah. and we'll. Yeah, we'll, oh, we'd, definitely. We'd love to mention you on here, even if you have a story to type up. Feel free to send it in. For so, sure. Yeah, I want to see all the members' success. Definitely, definitely. That's like that's what this is for, you know. Absolutely. To, to you know, we can. Zach and I can get on here and talk all day, but yeah, <laughs> we we're, we just as well hear about other people exactly too. You know, right. geez, I mean yep. that's what we're doing. So. Um, but yeah, anyhow, I think our last, uh, last thing we got going here, um, before we kind of wrap things up and we'll talk about, uh, 
few things we're going to be doing in future episodes. Um, sorry, do you have anything else to add, Zach? I, just I don't, no. Okay. Um, we've got our Meet an NBA member segment again. Um, and today we've got on... Um, uh, today we got on Tom Nauman. Yep. And, and I'll, oh, sorry, Zach, I'll give you this here. Yeah, I was it's trying a, to find his yeah. um, Who I'm sure everybody is very, very familiar with. Um, Tom is a very active member um, in the NBA and somebody that uh, definitely um, I look up to and I think a lot of people do. He's just a, a great guy. And oh, absolutely. He does a lot for the organization. For donates sure. a lot of stuff. Yep. You know, time, money, that NBA scholarship every yep. year. You know, he does so much for the organization that, yeah. you know, he's definitely one of the NBA's gems. So, For sure. So, so yeah, let's, ahead, meet, let's yeah. meet Mr. Nauman. Uh, his bet. hometown is Rockport, Missouri, and he currently resides in Hastings. Um, he went to Northwest Missouri State and got his master's in agronomy. And right now he is the senior business development at Aurora Co-op, and his family is wife Rita, daughter Nicole, and granddaughter Aubrey in Pocatello, Idaho. His daughter Katie, his granddaughter Lauren, and grandson Johnny in Lincoln. Tom has been bow hunting 58 years, and he says his mentors when he was starting were David and Harold Hollett and cousin Robert Patterson. And Tom's favorite memory. He's got a long one typed up here, yeah. so <laughs> strap it's in pretty good. Now. Yeah, get ready. <laughs> he says he has so many, but he'll mention just two. The first one was in 1969, about a month before going into the Navy, and he had to, he had yet to harvest a deer with his bow. Uh, he said, "I practiced about two hours per day all summer long, and became a good shot out to about 25 yards." His first opportunity he had to hunt that fall was at a, in an old homemade tree stand. A tree stand his wife helped him put up and a poison ivy-covered elm tree. And due to his strong allergy to poison ivy, Rita put Reva, Rita pulled down all the ivy so he could build the stand. He says it must have been love. <laughs> and that cool October evening had good deer movement, and I was having a standoff with a fair eight-point Missouri count when a button buck <laughs> walked into his shooting lane. With my pending Navy start date right around the corner, I figured a deer in the hand is worth is better than one in the bush. My arrow flew true and took out the top of his heart, and he took three steps and fell over dead. <laughs> I literally threw my bow and jumped out of the tree stand from 10 feet up. <laughs> Miraculously, the bow and I came through okay. Second one was, that, was last year on our annual Colorado elk hunt. He says his lifelong friend, Lauren Cat, was successfully was successful in finally harvesting his first elk after 15 years of trying. Awesome. Um, he says they were joined on that trip by Katie Lowry, Lowry, who was their mentor kid from age 12 till she gradu- graduated from high school. Hmm. She's now 28 and works in the wildlife field and has been on several of their elk hunts over the years. These lifetime friendships make this one of my best trips ever. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. A couple great Very stories. Cool. Yeah. So what's Tom's favorite animal to bow hunt and why? You can probably guess yeah. it's turkeys. <laughs> yes. He says, we are blessed with a liberal season length and bag limits, which, which gives many opportunities to hunt. I love the sounds and antics I've watched for the last 40 years or so I've hunted. My success on them has been remarkable with 209 bow kills. Wow. Today, I get as much pleasure as mentoring other turkey hunters as I do myself. 
So what's one animal Tom has always wanted to hunt but hasn't yet is a trophy mule deer. I've hunted muleys a few, t- few times but really wants to go for a big one. And he has a trophy hunt scheduled for September. Awesome. Well, we'll look so, to... Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen anything, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear from that soon. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Um, who's his bow hunting role model? He says he doesn't really have one. How long have you been an NBA member? Around 30 years, he says. And his favorite NBA memory was the banquets and the jamborees, receiving the Bow Hunter of the Year in 2012. Well-deserved. W- definitely well-deserved. Yeah. And how has the NBA influenced you? Many of my best friends are fellow NBA members. I've been active in the organization over the last 20 years. The NBA has led the charge on issues related to bow hunting, and he wants to give back to the NBA with his times, as well as support the organization with the annual scholarship, the raffle donations, and youth bow. Two interesting facts related to Tom, or about Tom that aren't related to bow hunting, is he's an Eagle Scout. And he's an active target archer since 1989. He's attended around a thousand tournaments, including local, state, national, and world events. He says he is a good shot. Yeah, <laughs> he, he travels all over the place too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what advice would you have for up and coming bow hunters? Get involved, not just attending functions, but also taking an active role in leadership and direction. Today, way too many folks just want to shoot or hunt but don't want to be involved with the direction of the sport. All organizations need people to lead, not just hunt. Young people today need to get involved and ensure the survival of our sport. Give more than you take, he says. Wow. Yeah. Well uh, well said, Tom. Very yeah, well, well said. Well said. Yeah, I think, uh, I yeah, should we just drop the mic there? Yeah, and I could have said it better myself. <laughs> done. Yeah. I guess one more thing he wants to share about himself to end the NBA is he makes a mean bloody Mary. Mm. So he does do that. Yeah. yeah. So if you're looking for one of those, Tom's the guy to go to. For sure. For sure. So very good. Well, uh, thanks Tom for, for sending that in. And, um, again, I, 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 uh, am sending those out periodically. Um, we'll need to get I don't think I have any stashed now, so we'll have to get some uh, um, some new ones from from different members, and hopefully, again, you know, uh, when we kind of get more in a rhythm here, and we'll try to get those recorded, and I think that'd just be a little bit better to have yep. it sort of in an interview have, style. Have, but have the people on there so they can hear your voice, you yep. know, and yep, a little more of their personality on there. Yep, you know, exactly, exactly. Read off all you want about these people, but till you have them talk in person, you know, it's yeah how you get to know them exactly so um so yeah with that i guess uh i mean i think we can pretty much wrap things up yeah i uh just have a couple more i was gonna say talk about some future episodes coming up yeah yeah so the main one that or one of the main ones um zach and i had talked about um well a couple of them so we uh, had two two of our members uh recently went on trips to alaska um so one is uh, Mike Lutt, and he, Zach, you want to talk about that real briefly? Yeah, Mike, um, those of you who have Facebook have probably seen, he uh, has had quite the month last month. He went up and actually hunted caribou and mm-hmm. Sitka blacktail with mm-hmm. with Jack Frost. So yeah. Hunt to mention, so that... Pretty crazy. That, that should be so. pretty fun to listen to, and not Definitely. only that, but he just got back from a Shiver's moose hunt that he was successful on. Yeah. 
Not many guys have done that. That's pretty impressive. So yeah, so we got that episode coming up for you. That should be a really good one. I think you talked to him, and we're gonna get him on. So yep, we're gonna get him on here, and definitely should have some good stories for sure. Um, And then uh, another another NBA member, uh, Matt Gideon, just is getting back. He's probably is he is he gotten back yet? They, they're probably pretty close to getting back. From I think his, they start, still got a few days up there, but they're yeah. out of the bush now. Yeah. So. But he was in Alaska caribou hunting as well. So, yep. um, so we'll hopefully get him on, have him talk about his experiences, just both of them, so we can kind of, yeah, hear. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of guys want to go to Alaska at some point in their life, and so oh, I think yeah. it's be awesome if we could get both of them on for different episodes to just kind of talk about their experiences and. Um, and then, uh, then the final one, we kind of touched on it earlier, um, that we, I sent a message to the Nebraska Sportsman's Foundation, um, just asking if, Hey, you know, could we have somebody, a, a representative from their organization on to just kind of talk more about these, um, issues that we were discussing earlier. So, um, cause I think, you know, as Tom said, you know, we need to, we can't just sit by idle and, and, uh, you know, wait for things to happen and change. We got to we got to definitely keep on it and keep the sport of bow hunting, you know, going strong and, and archery as well. And, um, just keep, uh, you know, just keep all those things in mind as we're, as we're moving forward and obviously get out and hunt and enjoy things, but, you know, get back a little bit and, yep. and, uh, you know, towards the organization and the sport. So, but, but, uh, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Anything else, Zach, any other thoughts that you have? Not that I know of. Feels yeah. good to record another episode. It's yeah, so for long, sure, man. You know? It's been too long. I, I did have a quick message. Uh, you know, I I sent a text to Eric Albright just asking, hey, man, you know, we're gonna record an episode. If there's any uh, um, any things that we need to bring up, and um, I guess he just said, uh, you know, just wanted to wish everybody good luck bow hunting, and uh, I guess good luck from us this as well. Um, and then one last thing, and then I'm done. Um, the next meeting, I believe, is November um, 16th in, yep. Grand Island, in Grand Island, right? So um, if you guys um, are supposed to be there, be there. Um, if and, you have uh, anything you want brought up, yes, contact yes. your area rep, and uh, I guess we'll discuss it at the meeting. Yep, and definitely. So, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out about anything. All right, well, that's a wrap. Well, so, again, this is Kyle Klammer. And this is Zach Welch. And this is the Good Life Bow Hunter, the official podcast of Nebraska Bow Hunters Association. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Good luck hunting. <laughs>